0: Chapters 31 through 35 of Theologia Germanica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J.A. Carter. Theologia Germanica by an anonymous author, translated by Susanna Winkworth. Chapters 31 through 35. Chapter 31. How we are not to cast off the life of Christ, but practice it diligently and walk in it until death. But that other thing which they affirm, how that we ought to throw off and cast aside the life of Christ and all laws and commandments, customs and order and the like, and pay no heed to them, but despise and make light of them, is altogether false and a lie. Now some may say, Since neither Christ nor others can ever gain anything, either by a Christian life, or by all these exercises and ordinances and the like, nor turn them to any account, seeing that they possess already all that can be had through them, what cause is there why they should not henceforth eschew them altogether? Must they still retain and practice them? Behold, ye must look narrowly into this matter. There are two kinds of light. The one is true, and the other is false. The true light is that eternal light, which is God, or else it is a created light, but yet divine, which is called grace. And these are both the true light. So is the false light nature, or of nature. And why is the first true and the second false? This we can better perceive than say or write. To God as Godhead appertain neither will, nor knowledge, nor manifestation, nor anything that we can name, or say, or conceive. But to God as God it belongeth to express himself, and know, and love himself, and to reveal himself to himself, and all this without any creature. And all this resteth in God as a substance, but not as a working, so long as there is no creature." And out of this expressing and revealing of himself unto himself ariseth the distinction of persons. But when God, as God, is made man, or where God dwelleth in a godly man, or one who is made a partaker of the divine nature, in such a man somewhat appertaineth unto God which is his own and belongeth to him only, and not to the creature. And without the creature... This would lie in his own self as a substance or a wellspring, but would not be manifested or wrought out into deeds. Now, God will have it to be exercised and clothed in a form, for it is there only to be wrought out and executed. What else is it for? Shall it lie idle? What then would it profit? As good were it that it had never been, nay better, for what is of no use existeth in vain, and that is abhorred by God and nature. However, God will have it wrought out, and this cannot come to pass, which it ought to do, without the creature. Nay, if there ought not to be, and were not this and that, works and a world full of real things and the like, what were God himself, and what had he to do, and whose God would he be? Here we must turn and stop, or we might follow this matter and grope along until we knew not where we were, nor how we could find our way out again. Chapter 32 How God is a true, simple, perfect good, and how He is a light and a reason and all virtues, and how what is highest and best, that is, God, ought to be most loved by us. In short, I would have you to understand that God, in so far as He is good, is goodness as goodness, and not this or that good. But here mark one thing Behold, what is sometimes here and sometimes there is not everywhere and above all things and places. So also what is today or tomorrow is not always at all times and above all time. And what is something, this or that, is not all things and above all things. Now behold, if God were something, this or that, he would not be all in all and above all as he is. And so also he would not be true perfection Therefore God is, and yet he is neither this nor that which the creature, as creature, can perceive, name, conceive, or express. Therefore, if God, in so far as he is good, were this or that good, he would not be all good, and therefore he would not be the one perfect good which he is. Now God is also a light and a reason, the property of which is to give light and shine and take knowledge. And inasmuch as God is light and reason, he must give light and perceive. And all this giving and perceiving of light existeth in God without the creature, not as a work fulfilled but as a substance or wellspring. But for it to flow out into a work, something really done and accomplished, there must be creatures through whom this can come to pass. Look ye, where this reason and light is at work in a creature, It perceiveth, and knoweth, and teacheth what itself is, how that it is good in itself, and neither this thing nor that thing. This light and reason knoweth and teacheth men that it is a true, simple, perfect good, which is neither this nor that special good, but comprehendeth every kind of good. Now having declared that this light teacheth the one good, what doth it teach concerning it? Give heed to this. Behold, even as god is the one good and light and reason so is he also will and love and justice and truth and in short all virtues but all these are in god one substance and none of them can be put in exercise and wrought out into deeds without the creature for in god without the creature they are only as a substance or wellspring not as a work but where the One who is yet all these layeth hold of a creature, and taketh possession of it, and directeth it, and maketh use of it, so that he may perceive in it somewhat of his own, behold, in so far as he is will and love, he is taught of himself, seeing that he is also light and reason, and he willeth nothing but that one thing which he is. Behold, in such a creature there is no longer anything willed or loved but that which is good because it is good, and for no other reason that it is good, not because it is this or that, or pleaseth nor displeaseth such a one, is pleasant or painful, bitter or sweet, or what not. All this is not asked about nor looked at, and such a creature doth nothing for its own sake or in its own name, for it hath quitted all self and me and mine and we and ours and the like, and these are departed. It no longer saith, I love myself." Or this or that, or what not. And if you were to ask love, What lovest thou? she would answer, I love goodness. Wherefore? Because it is good, and for the sake of goodness. So it is good and just and right to deem that if there were aught better than God, that must be loved better than God. And thus God loveth not himself as himself, but as goodness. And if there were, and he knew, aught better than God, he would love that and not himself. Thus, the self and the me are wholly sundered from God and belong to him only in so far as they are necessary for him to be a person. Behold, all that we have said must indeed come to pass in a godlike man, or one who is truly made a partaker of the divine nature, for else he would not be truly such. Chapter 33 How when a man is made truly godlike... His love is pure and unmixed, and he loveth all creatures, and doth his best for them. Hence it followeth, that in a truly godlike man his love is pure and unmixed, and full of kindness, insomuch that he cannot but love in sincerity all men and things, and wish well and do good to them, and rejoice in their welfare. Yea, let them do what they will to such a man, do him wrong or kindness, bear him love or hatred, or the like, yea... If one should kill such a man a hundred times over, and he always came to life again, he could not but love the very man who had so often slain him, although he had been treated so unjustly and wickedly and cruelly by him, and could not but wish well and do well to him, and show him the very greatest kindness in his power, if the other would but only receive and take it at his hands. The proof and witness whereof may be seen in Christ. For he said to Judas, when he betrayed him friend, wherefore art thou come? Just as if he had said, Thou hatest me, and art my enemy, yet I love thee, and am thy friend. Thou desirest, and rejoicest in my affliction, and dost the worst thou canst unto me. Yet I desire, and wish thee all good, and would fain give it to thee, and do it for thee, if thou wouldst but take and receive it. As though God in human nature were saying, I am pure, simple goodness, and therefore I cannot will, or desire, or rejoice in, or do or give anything but goodness. If I am to reward thee for thy evil and wickedness, I must do it with goodness, for I am and have nothing else. Hence therefore God, in a man who is made partaker of his nature, desireth and taketh no revenge for all the wrong that is or can be done unto him. This we see in Christ, when he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Likewise it is God's property that he doth not constrain any by force to do or not to do anything. But he alloweth every man to do and leave undone according to his will, whether it be good or bad, and resisteth none. This too we see in Christ who would not resist nor defend himself when his enemies laid hands on him. And when Peter would have defended him, he said unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Neither may a man who is made a partaker of the divine nature oppress or grieve any one. That is, it never entereth into his thoughts or intents or wishes to cause pain or distress to any, either by deed or neglect by speech or silence. Chapter 34. How that, if a man will attain to that which is best, he must forswear his own will, and he who helpeth a man to his own will helpeth him to the worst thing he can. Some may say, Now since God willeth and desireth and doeth the best that may be to everyone, he ought so to help each man and order things for him that they should fall out according to his will and fulfill his desires, so that one might be a pope, another a bishop, and so forth. Be assured, he who helpeth a man to his own will helpeth him to the worst that he can. For the more a man followeth after his own self-will, and self-will groweth in him, the farther off he is from God, the true good. For nothing burneth in hell but self-will. Therefore it hath been said, Put off thine own will, and there will be no hell. Now God is very willing to help a man, and bring him to that which is best in itself, and is of all things the best for man. But to this end all self-will must depart, as we have said. And God would fain give man his help and counsel thereunto, for so long as a man is seeking his own good, he doth not seek what is best for him and will never find it. For a man's highest good would be and truly is that he should not seek himself nor his own things nor be his own end in any respect, either in things spiritual or things natural, but should seek only the praise and glory of God and his holy will. This doth God teach and admonish us. Let him therefore who wisheth that God should help him to what is best and best for him, give diligent heed to God's counsels and teachings and obey his commandments. Thus and not else will he have and hath already God's help. Now God teacheth and admonisheth man to forsake himself and all things and to follow him only. For he who loveth his soul, that is, himself, and will guard it and keep it, he shall lose it. That is, he who seeketh himself and his own advantage in all things, in so doing, loseth his soul. But he who hateth his soul for my sake shall keep it unto eternal life. That is, he who forsaketh himself and his own things, and giveth up his own will, and fulfilleth God's will, his soul will be kept and preserved unto life eternal. Chapter 35. How there is deep and true humility and poorness of spirit in a man who is made a partaker of the divine nature. Moreover, in a man who is made partaker of the divine nature, there is a thorough and deep humility, and where this is not, the man hath not been made a partaker of the divine nature. So Christ taught in words and fulfilled in works. And this humility springeth up in the man... Because in the true light he seeth, as it also really is, that substance, life, perceiving, knowledge, power, and what is thereof, all belong to the true good, and not to the creature. But that the creature itself is nothing and hath nothing, and that when it turneth itself aside from the true good in will or in works, nothing is left to it but pure evil. And therefore it is true to the very letter that the creature, as creature, Hath no worthiness in itself, and no right to anything, and no claim over any one, either over God or over the creature, and that it ought to give itself up to God and submit to Him, because this is just, and this is the chiefest and most weighty matter. Now, if we ought to be and desire to be obedient and submit unto God, we must also submit to what we receive at the hands of any of His creatures or our submission is all false. From this latter article floweth true humility, and indeed it doth also from the former. And unless this verily ought to be, and were wholly agreeable to God's justice, Christ would not have taught it in words and fulfilled it in his life. And herein there is a veritable manifestation of God, and it is so of a truth that of God's truth and justice This creature shall be subject to God and all creatures, and no thing or person shall be subject or obedient to her. God and all the creatures have a right over her and to her, but she hath a right to nothing. She is a debtor to all, and nothing is owing to her, so that she shall be ready to bear all things from others, and also, if needs be, to do all things for others. And out of this groweth that poorness of spirit of which Christ said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, that is to say, the truly humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All this hath Christ taught in words and fulfilled with his life. End of chapters 31 through 35. Recording by J.A. Carter, www.afewparagraphs.com.